Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Podcast. I am Frankenstein's monster, and with me today is Tyler. Hi, everybody. And Random. Good evening. Tyler, what are we doing this week? Well, I've got something really, really exciting that I'm happy to share this week. I have just launched the the initial version of the Monsterizer, a 5th edition monster builder. It's available for free on RPGBot.net, and it will take out most of the messy, complicated math of building custom monsters for 5th edition. So if you've ever had a monster in your head, uh, if you've ever thought, I want to I wanna take this monster and add a little spice to it, it's never been easier. That's awesome. So why is that hard? Well, if you've ever cracked open the Dungeon Master's Guide, there's a section in it called the DM's Toolbox. And one of the sections in there is how to build a monster. And it's it's like 10 or 12 pages somewhere in there and most of it is tables and math. If you're not super great at math, <laughs> the, the bane and if you <laughs> the, the bane of many a player. If you're not super great at math, if you don't feel like building a spreadsheet to build a monster, um that's super difficult. Honestly, just building a custom monster at like CR 1 or 2 probably takes like an hour to do it right. If you're going anything about that, it's basically impossible. Okay, and so what what are the like what are the features of the monsterizer? So I'm gonna I can set my ability scores, and I can I can have spells. I can do these sorts of things. What, what all goes into this? Uh, you sure can. You want you want to give it actions. You want to give it attacks. You want to make it cast spells. Done. Damage resistances, damage vulnerabilities, conditions, whatever. Uh, you want to give it a pretty description. It's all in there. So one thing you talked about, like building a challenge rating, like a monster with a particular challenge rating. So, so I guess challenge rating calculation is built into this as well then, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. That was the easy part? (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Calculating CR for a creature is probably the hardest part of building a creature. Like that's the classic problem. I want to build some custom monster for my players to fight so that they're going to see something unexpected and I don't know how difficult it's going to be to fight. So I'm either going to kill my party or they're going to kill this thing in one round. And it's hard to tell which. I've been on the receiving end of that. Watching as you're going through this fight where you're like, okay, this is this is definitely like not something standard. I can see where this is like maybe a, a reskinned like white dragon. But also it is straight up murdering us this this is a thing that should be a challenge but not this much of a challenge versus i've also been on and had too sick on if you remember from last session me talking about the um party with the dragonfire bard and all of the badgers that they were abusing with it well 
So it turns out that while this is not so much of a thing in 5th edition templates, and maybe this is a thing that you'll implement it in the future if it's not there already, templates are a problem because they just have a straight, like, plus 2 to CR. Well, that doesn't really take into account what you're adding it to, and I see you waiting to ask a question. No, when you say templates, what, what, is a, what do you mean by a template? So built into the Monster Manual is a collection of things that you can apply to, they call it a base monster, to make it something else. So some real classic examples of this are like a ghost or a zombie. Now, you will find base stat blocks for a ghost or a zombie, but technically speaking, you can also take something and make it a ghost or a zombie or a lich or whatever. Okay, and and so like a good example of like with, with zombie, if you want to make something a zombie, uh, you add that if it goes to zero, uh, roll the dice. If it gets a good roll, it pops back up at one. And now, boom, it's a zombie, you know, right. it's a zombie and, hag. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, right, and I, well, I, I haven't looked too much into the monster manual in 5th edition. I mean, in, in 3.5, this was very much a big section of any of these monsters that were things that could turn into other things. You would get a couple pages afterwards talking about Here's how you take a base monster and turn it into a half-dragon, a, a ghost, a whatever the case. Having a tool to, um, if, if that does come in, having a tool to do that, that's going to be neat. But even regardless, you know, I've, I've been on both the receiving and giving end of monsters that probably were not actually <laughs> a challenge uh, that was depicted in their CR. Um, so I'm, I am very excited to have a tool that's going to help out with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so what, what you're selling sounds really exciting. I, I'm, I'm going to agree. Like I've been a DM where I'm in a situation where like, okay, an acolyte is too easy. Like that, that's too hard. I'm not quite ready to go to like the bid bad guy. What I really need is middle management. Uh, and I just don't understand how to turn an acolyte into a middle manager acolyte. You know what I mean? Like somebody who can actually bring the fight. And so having something that can actually do that kind of scaling is, is super exciting. But yeah, so what you say that challenge rating calculations are super difficult. What makes them so difficult? First, it is a lot of math. Basically, you have to calculate challenge rating twice, uh, once for offensive, once for defensive. The offensive CR is based almost entirely on damage output. So you look at the damage that a creature does over the first three rounds of combat, and you take an average. People who've been familiar with character optimization for a long time will realize, ah, yes, that's because combat is expected to last three to five rounds. So you average their damage output over the first three rounds of combat, and that gets you your base offensive CR. Now it adjusts up and down for a couple things, uh, how high their attack bonus is, uh, some special traits, a couple things like like the uh, the swallow action has some complicated math. Like there's, it's just math and math and math and math. Basically, if your creature is doing anything other than hitting you with a pointy stick, it's going to get hard. Okay, and that that takes that takes into account if the AC is off scale, a super high or super low AC. It takes into account immuni- uh, immunability. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> uh, immunity as well as vulnerability. Like all of those things are also built into it. Yeah, that's on the defensive CR side. So you start from the creature's base hit points, and there's a there's a scale based. Like you look at their base hit points, compare that to a table, and then j- adjust up and down for armor class and damage resistances. And there are some traits that add and subtract to that. But uh, there are some complicated things, like if your creature is immune to every single condition in the game, no effect on CR. 
Good. Okay. I'm just curious for for my own. If I'm building a monster and adding conditions, obviously, you know, may, maybe let's not just add condition immunities forever. But here's the thing that's kind of reasonable. If you wanted to add save proficiency, does the CR calculate on that? It does. Uh, so it's expected that creatures will have two saving throws, which is a bad expectation. So it's expected that creatures will have two saving throw proficiencies. Um, if you have four... Or if you have three or four, the defensive CR goes up. If you have five or six, the CR goes up again. But if you have one or no save proficiencies, there's no effect on CR. I don't know why. And there's a lot of beasts in the monster manual that have no saving throw proficiencies, so they just get absolutely screwed on the CR scale. Nice. Are there are, are there other like classes or groups of features that? don't contribute to CR, but you feel like actually this really ought to be there? The CR calculations lean very heavily on damage as a, as a measure of how difficult something is to kill. So this is where creating a creature goes from math to art. So if you look at like the Medusa, the math on the Medusa stats say that it should be CR4, but it's CR6, and that honestly feels appropriate because being petrified really sucks. But being petrified also doesn't deal any damage. So on its own, it doesn't actually factor into the CR calculation. So there, even with even with the monsterizer, even with uh, a full perfect understanding of the rules of the game, there is some art to it, and you do still need to make some judgment calls. Okay, that makes sense. Although I, there maybe there's an argument somewhere here that if they're petrified they're probably going to deal less damage to the Medusa. So maybe that defensive CR needs to be jacked up a little bit. I don't know how you do that with math, likelihood of petrifying. Yeah, there's actually probably some really cool modeling things that we could do to, like, extend this out. But oh man, maybe, maybe that's a conversation for another time. Put that in our back pocket. While I was building this whole thing, I had to convert the entire SRD into a, uh, a very, very usable JSON data set that we could use for all kinds of fun stuff. Nice. So, yeah, if we want to do some, uh, some mathematical analysis and some programming, yeah, let's do it. Okay. No, I'm excited. And I think, actually, maybe what you just said is important. You had to turn the entire SRD, uh, which, by the way, what does SRD stand for for everybody? So the SRD is the system reference document. It's a, it is a free document distributed by Wizards of the Coast. That's essentially all of the rules that are free for people to use and distribute in whatever form they like. So it currently contains 316 monsters and NPCs, all of the core classes uh, except the Artificer. Um, and one subclass from each of those classes, as well as, like, a small selection of uh, warlock invocations, a small selection of meta magic options for the sorcerer, your staple spells like magic, missile, and fireball. But basically, that's the, that is the basis on which all third-party tools and products are built. Okay, and so with that context, you, were, you converted 316 monsters and NPCs from the SRD to JSON to use in the tool, what does that mean for the tool? Uh, that means that when you go to build a monster, you don't have to start from scratch. Uh, there are 316 monsters and NPCs that you can start from. If you want to take, if you want to take an adult black dragon, which oh boy, I use that in all of my testing. Uh, if you want to take an adult black dragon and turn that thing into a wizard, go for it. That's awesome. 
adding spellcasting to monsters is probably one of my favorite things. Uh, I'm a native of third edition with random, so we are used to dragons being spellcasters by default. So the idea that spellcasting is a variant in fifth edition was honestly a little bit of a surprise to me. So uh, next time I run a campaign, gentlemen, uh, watch out for wizards who can cast spells. Those spellcasting wizards for dragons who can cast. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> How could they do this? <laughs> Those spellcasting wizards, how dare they? <laughs> Them and their casting dragons. Oh, no. Oh, that's that's a whole different book, and we're not quite there yet. <laughs> it's coming, though. It's coming. <laughs> One interesting thing, as we're talking about the math behind CR, I am very appreciative of the amount of math that goes into a single monster, and I am reminded of the preposterous stuff that went into building encounters. So uh, in 5th edition, they have, as far as I can tell, removed the concept of um, an EL, an encounter level, which is a term from 3.5 that was used to describe, in particular, like multiple monsters together. Sometimes you would have it like if there was a, a room that maybe had multiple traps or something you you could call that all one el but there was math for taking multiple monsters and putting them together the ways that you could combine things are of course kind of infinite and so there's a lot of stuff that you had to figure out if you wanted to know how challenging something was going to be if let's say a thing that is fairly intuitive is like okay if i take two monsters of a CR five and I put them in a room together. Well, that's a CR six or maybe a seven, which is not super intuitive, but it, I mean, if you, if you think about it, it's like, okay, well, two isn't really twice as hard because they're just more of the same thing. You know, they get more turns, but it's not like they're attacking any harder. It's not like they're any harder to deal with, but what do I get if I want to take like, two CR-8s and a CR-12 and put them in a room together for you to fight all at the same time. What does that work? And in 3.5, the short answer was, boy, you thought the tables in like for picking one monster were bad. Oh, boy. Let's create a complicated Excel spreadsheet with four different tabs of VLOOKUPs so that I can get you a tool that would do all that addition. And I am grateful that it has switched to more of a uh, Pathfinder. Pathfinder 1 really introduced this whole concept of, like, instead of monsters having a challenge rating, monsters just have an XP, that that's what they're worth. Seeing more of, like, how this XP budget is put into 5th edition, I am grateful that we're going more that route. I'm going to try not to hurt your feelings too much, but the XP budget idea actually came from 4th edition. I, uh, what, what, what's the meme? Uh, my disappointment is immeasurable and my day is ruined. Um, <laughs> I, I did say that there was a vanishingly small number of good things from fourth edition. I will grudgingly add this to that list. <laughs> fourth edition gave us short rests. Um, yeah, uh, but I agree with you. The, the XP budget system in fourth edition and Pathfinder one definitely made building encounters with multiple monsters way easier these days, you have excellent tools like the the uh, Encounter Builder on RPGBot.net or Cobalt Fight Club, if you prefer. 
but the the tables and the dungeon master guy dungeon master's guide for fifth edition for building a multiple monster encounter uh they are a little bit complicated it does require a little bit of math so using an encounter builder strongly encouraged but if you're going to do like two or three monsters i think you'll still be okay yeah something you said that was interesting so you said in in 3.5 putting two fives in a room together would give you something on the order of a six yep I, so I think the way the CR works in in fifth edition is that it actually is beyond additive, right? Like if I have two of those level five, five creatures and I put them together, you know, they are harder than the sum of the individuals. So fifth edition, instead of instead of having a numeric encounter level for every encounter, which encounter level is basically like what is the equivalent for a single CR monster. Um, or what is the expected level for the party? So in fifth edition, you instead have like the deadliness of an encounter. So a single creature of appropriate CR is average, and it like you can go up from there and down from there. I believe the top of the scale is deadly, and it's expected like, hey, if if your players go into this unprepared, they're probably going to die. Using the experience budget stuff. Um, you can use higher CR monsters to go up on the scale to increase the difficulty, or you can use more monsters. And using more monsters, uh, because of, because of just the way the action economy works, um, having more enemies makes the encounters more difficult for the players, so it, it adds up kind of multiplicatively. Yeah, that's definitely been my experience. And then one more thing on that, talking about the, the ranking all the way from like an easy encounter to a deadly encounter, you know, I've definitely had issues where I've had uh, very well-optimized characters in my table, which meant that an appropriate leveled monster, even at deadly, we'd be able to get through two or the two or three of those uh, in a session without having to take a long rest, and people would still survive it. I think that says something to the skill of the min-maxers that I've had at my table. But also that, yeah, I think as a DM, you even have to kind of dial this in, because uh, not one size fits all. <laughs> yeah, those people definitely read our website. <laughs> um <laughs> They just might. Yeah. uh, The experience difficulty levels aren't an exact science. Um, The math kind of assumes like a base level of effectiveness from players, but it doesn't expect that everyone's coming to the table with crazy optimized characters because that's that's honestly not necessary in 5th edition. Um, Not everyone needs to come in here selecting like straight blue options off my... uh, off of our uh, character optimization guides and just build the craziest character they can. But if you do build that character, expect that your DM is going to throw a lot of deadly encounters at you. Yeah. So I'm a DM and I want to bring that deadly encounter uh, to my players. So I want to build the best monster possible. And now there's a monster as a tool. And I'm really excited about that. What are, what are the features that are represented in the DM's guide that are manifested in the monsterizer? The math presented in the Dungeon Master's Guide uh, mostly cares about damage output and ability to endure damage. It's like those those two things basically set CR. So if your creature is a spellcaster, you need to figure out like what is the biggest damage spell that this thing is going to cast. So if you've got a 20th level wizard that you're building as a monster, if they can cast Meteor Swarm three times per day that pretty much defines their offensive CR and their defensive CR. Like their defensive CR is going to go up or down a few points, whether or not they remember to cast mage armor. If you have a 20th level wizard who doesn't cast any spells that deal damage, except firebolt, their offensive CR is going to be like 
two or three, and all of a sudden their CR is just gonna just gonna drop. One thing that uh, before we get too far away from this, that I want to talk about, especially so when you're building these monsters, particularly if you do want to try and build multiple things into into one encounter, be aware that as soon as you get more than one thing, if it's different, or, or even sometimes if it's the same monster, you know, duplicated the the math is going to get real weird real fast because there's no way for it to figure out synergies, anti-synergies, things like that. A classic example, shocker lizards. Um, if you have one shocker lizard, it's not really a threat. Uh, if you have 20 shocker lizards, this kills people, regardless of the <laughs> fact that even by the math, it's only maybe a CR 10. What, for everybody, what is a shocker lizard? Like, what's the key feature you're calling out? Right. So the, the feature here is uh, shocker lizards are basically like, what if you took an electric eel and made it a rat? (laughs) (laughs) The the thing that they do that is noteworthy is if you get several of them next to each other, they have an ability that lets them, rather than just like individually attacking with their electric jolt, they can all attack as one electric jolt, and you just get an additional D6 of damage per shocker lizard. 20 of them next to each other is a ton of damage that is 20 d6 yeah that's a that's a bad time why do they ever leave each other's side like i'd be a roving gang of shopper shocking lizards <laughs> that's actually your next party idea monstrous races everyone <laughs> <laughs> there you go the saving grace is that they're not all that smart but you, you know it just other things to think about like some monsters have things that are hard to quantify so like a, a beholder is a great example of something that is now, I don't know if you ran a Beholder through your math. I would be curious to see, because a Beholder has a lot of... So, the anti-magic cone, one of the Beholder's main defining traits, right? It doesn't do damage. It doesn't even affect, It doesn't even give it defenses, technically. It doesn't give it numerical defenses. But, my god, that has hosed so many people so often. And I think I maybe see you frantically trying to find out what the math does say it would be. I, I'm going to disappoint you. The Beholder isn't in the SRD, I'm not allowed. Oh. Uh, like you, that, okay. Now I'm going to give away the game here a little bit. So you, the player at home using the monsterizer, if you want to build a beholder in the monsterizer and then customize its abilities from there, that's your monster. Just don't use the word beholder. So the trick is essentially the proper nouns are what Wizards of the Coast owns, the proper nouns and the stats for those things. Um, if it's in the SRD, you're free to do whatever you want with it. Wizards have intentionally given that away for people to enjoy and do what they will. Uh, certain things, a lot of the deities, beholders, things like that, uh, specific named characters like Drizzt, you can't, you generally can't reproduce those in most forms. But if you want to build yourself a beholder in the monsterizer to see what happens and then maybe tweak it a little bit, add an extra bee in there and make give it like a a, a bug swarm attack. So it's a, a bee holder. No one? Okay. That's, no, that's, um, pretty, that's solid. I like it. I, I, have own, I was thinking uh, fractal eyeball herd. Oh, no. That is horrifying. I don't like it. <laughs> so, yeah, but it just, I mean... To finish up that thought, just be aware that there are a lot of things that are not part of the calculation. And, you know, like Tyler said, it maybe don't try and throw your players into something 
with this homebrew without at least giving it a test yourself, particularly multiple monsters together, because things can get really radically outside what the numbers say they should be. Yeah, I think there's probably like a a reasonable statement to be made of like, maybe only do two or three monsters, maybe count on... Like the first time you throw it out, it's like, oh, well, I built this thing and one of them will be deadly. Maybe now's not the time. Maybe you need to back it off just a notch, right? <laughs> nah, I think that's that's good feedback. Yeah, so I, I guess I, I want to ask a few more questions about the Monsterizer. What, what can we do according to the DM's guide? We can add vulnerabilities. We can add immunities. We can add resistance. We can modify the AC of a monster. We can add spells. We can add legendary resistance, legendary actions. We can have layer actions. Absolutely. There, there's a ton of things that we could do that impact CR of the monster. W- which of those does the monsterizer support? Uh, everything you just listed. Oh. E- every type of action, reactions, layer actions. If you want to give it uh, hellish rebuke as a reaction, go for it. It's in there. It works. There are more features that I want to add that go beyond what's in the Dungeon Master's Guide. Uh, I want to add the ability to add templates from Monster Manual, like random suggested. Um, I want to add the ability to add character class levels. So, like, I have a unicorn, and I want to give it three levels of paladin, because unicorns aren't already crazy to fight. (laughs) I want to add that. Uh, (laughs) Seriously, unicorns are like CR fifteen. They're no joke. No, yeah, I, um, I, I, I'm sorry. I just, uh, you know, little sidebar. In the campaign that I'm currently playing through, we accidentally wild surged a unicorn who promptly appeared, uh, and we said, "Oh, what do we do with the unicorn?" And he said, "Oh, yes, I'll help you." Uh, took the two NPCs that were following us and teleported them away, and we never saw them again. <laughs> that that may be the most wild wild magic surge I've ever heard. It was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, unicorns. They're... Unicorns. <laughs> yeah. Um, Wild. <laughs> unicorn paladins, even. Yeah, uh, there's more to be done here. Um, so we're recording this a few days before the Monsterizer launches live to the world. By the time this launches, this will support everything that's covered in the Dungeon Master's Guide. Uh, it'll all be there. It'll all work. It'll give you a nice, pretty stat block at the end of building everything that you can copy-paste into a Word document or whatever. But uh, I want to do so much more. There's so much more to be done here. So the DM's guide is going to wind up being a subset of the overall awesomeness, which will be the monsterizer. Oh, yeah, totally. Okay. Uh, We we have gone beyond what the math supports. I like that. I think that's good news. Okay, well, let's do the question of the week. Everybody ready for a question of the week? Yeah. All right. Uh, This week's question comes from that one Johnny, one in. Uh, Do you use custom monsters in your campaign? How do you build them? Uh, I picked this on. one. This feels like cheating. It really does. <laughs> um, that one, Johnny, we really thank you for the question. It led to the creation of an entire tool. Okay, I've, I've been working on this for a year and a half. Let him um, have this. Let him have this. Why? Let him have this. Um, <laughs> all right, so, so that one, Johnny, I've, uh, I've, got a, I've got a better answer than just I use the monsterizer. Yes, I love using custom monsters in my campaigns. Uh, Randall, I've run D&D for you three or four times. Usually I'm a player alongside you in your games. I'm not a uh, yes. <laughs> The first game I ran for you, the first monster you fought was a swarm of crawling claws. 
That's right. Yeah. The hand reached out was like grabbing people. It was really creepy. Yeah. Uh, custom monster. Uh, all I did, all I did there was I took a swarm of rats and reskinned it as crawling claws and just changed the creature type. Um, because I looked at the CR math and thought, that's insane. I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the second time I ran D and D for you, I made you fight. Uh, I made you fight arrowhawks, which I imported from third edition. Random. Do you remember these things? I absolutely remember these things. Yeah. So for people not familiar with arrowhawks, now imagine a hawk. Now imagine another hawk, but they both share a torso, and they're really angry and they spit lightning. Yeah. So for folks who grew up in the South, it's like a love bug. Uh, but it also spits lightning. Well, that's terrifying. <laughs> okay. You managed to scare me away from the South. Good job. <laughs> no, okay. A quick aside. We have, there, there is a love bug season, which are these two animals uh, attached at the butt, two insects. They're insects. They're, they're like an inch long total attached at the butt, which choose one direction to fly and fly. There, there's an entire mythology about this. I remember uh, as an adult having arguments with people about the origin of these creatures. Um, <laughs> Arrowhawks. Fantastic. Okay. Uh, let's have some adult debates about the origins of Arrowhawks, because somehow those are less terrifying than what you just talked about. <laughs> uh, to circle back, yes, I use custom monsters in my campaign, and now that I've built the Monsterizer, I'm going to use so many more custom monsters. The The next game I run is just going to be top-to-bottom custom monsters. No one will know what's going on. It's going to be great. I'm so excited. Yeah, I so in, in my games, I tended to not use custom monsters because I am scared that I'm going to break something. At most, I'm adding one feature and that I'm, you know, behind the screen making sure I don't kill everybody, but making sure everybody still, still has a good time. So I'm actually probably more excited about the Monsterizer than Tyler is because now, like, the reins are unleashed. You know, I can, I can manifest all of my dreams. I haven't used many custom monsters. I will say that I've enjoyed them. And um, one particular thing that... Custom monsters do really well. So uh, if you have people like Tyler and I at your table who have been doing this for so long that, you know, you start describing a monster and halfway through the first sentence they say, ah, yes, it's an abolith. Great. One of the really cool things that custom monsters can do is provide novelty for these people who have been playing for a long time, people who have experienced multiple editions and kind of know everything. And that was one of the things that I really enjoyed about fighting that reskinned white dragon is like, man, I, it turns out that I'm not going to go into the monster manual and find stats for a 20 foot by 20 foot cold infused Raven. But (laughs) you know, I can, I can enjoy what's going on here. And, And that honestly, that, that really adds to the, the thrill of combat for something that, you know, for, I, I mean, if we look at, how much combat you're going to have in an average D&D session and how many D&D sessions some of us have played. You know, we've been doing this for so long that combat is just, ah, oh, yes, it's combat. I'm going to do my cool turn and then I'm going to not pay attention. And so custom monsters, I think, is really a great tool to keep people engaged in that. I have definitely built one or two things in the past. I, I will say mostly what I built was just tacking class levels onto things um, and, and or applying templates uh, although, uh, I will say that, technically speaking, we could probably call this thing that I built a, uh, a custom monster, because it really shouldn't have been a character. <laughs> at, at CR42, and having convinced Bahamut to step down, and therefore taken his place as an intermediate deity, it really was more of a monster. Oh, but, I remember this. 
yeah, that's that's a different story. So uh, how how I built the the few that I have done is mostly just on like do the math, enjoy the outcome, and if I need to tweak it on the fly to, as you say, make sure that my players are having a good time, do that. But yeah, that's I haven't done very many, but that's the way that I've done it, and so I am grateful for a tool that's going to provide a much better, more structured framework for me to do that in. So I, I remember one custom monster in, uh, I think this was the last campaign you ran for me, Random. Uh, we did Cult of the Reptile God. <laughs> the the final boss is supposed to include a Hydra, and Random replaced the Hydra with a giant cobra that he had, had applied the multi-headed template to how many times? Like four. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it, so the the problem is that This is another thing that, if you are manipulating monsters, be aware that CR calculations can rapidly go out the window. This template applies a bonus to con, because obviously something is harder to kill if it has more heads. But if you apply that to a snake, in in 3.x especially, um, any kind of like natural poison or anything like that, the DC to resist was based on the creature's constitution. So if you're increasing the con by like 10, like I did, <laughs> um, that increases the DC of the poison by five and only increases the CR of the monster by five. Yeah. Run into some real bad math real fast. Yeah. So just, just a thing to be aware of, but yes, that, that was one of my prouder creations. Uh, was, it, it killed us. We died. It, 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 <laughs> yeah. Everyone died except for one character who, uh, polymorphed into a dragon and fled at top speed, which was 100% the choice. But yeah, that's um, if you if you remember where I said uh, try and have the social fix for power gaming people first, and if that doesn't, it's the mechanical fix. So there's your mechanical fix. <laughs> Multi headed cobra. Uh, yeah, so, so that was the same game with the uh, army of Sonic Badgers. So <laughs> we brought that on ourselves. Yeah, like you earned that. And. Uh, just to be clear for everyone who isn't familiar with 3rd edition, there is no multi-headed template in 5th edition. Um, there is a multi-headed trait that you can apply that gives the creatures some condition resistances, like they're more resistant to falling asleep and things like that. Um, but yeah, 3rd edition, multi-headed template would uh, would really mess up some CR. All right, we have we have something new we want to do in honor of the Monsterizer. So first of all, we haven't said it yet. Uh, this is the first episode of Spooked Over. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so this is exciting. We've got uh, a slate of episodes planned for the next few weeks. We we think you're going to find very exciting. Uh, we'll talk about next week's episode in a moment. But we're going to do something special for the the week the week the month of Spooktober. We're going to do a monster of the week. So what we want you to do: go to the Monsterizer, create your monster, screenshot it, tweet it at RPG Bot hashtag Monsterizer, and we might just pick your monster as the monster of the week. Oh, it's uh, R-P-G-B-O-T-D-O-T-N-E-T on Twitter. That's right. Remember, because RPG bot was taken. 100%. R-P-G-B-O-T-D-O-T-N-E-T at Twitter. Uh, hashtag Monsterizer. And yeah, you might just have the Monster of the Week. All right. Uh, next episode, we're going to talk about making horror. Ooh, no. Next episode, we're going to talk about death. Yeah. <laughs> and we're not talking about the, the guy who comes for you in a robe with a scythe. No, it, this is character death and making this fun making this meaningful and 
making it something other than an angry way to tear your character sheet in half because there went two years investment. Absolutely. Unless they deserve it. No, just kidding. <laughs> we, we wouldn't do that to you. All right. Well, I'm Randall James. You can find me uh, at Jack Amateur on Twitter, at Jack Amateur on Instagram, and at AmateurJack.com. I'm Tyler Kamstra. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. or Well, you can find me on the website at RPGBot.net. You can find me on Twitter at RPGBOTDOTNET, uh, Facebook.com slash RPGBOTDOTNET, uh, Patreon.com slash RPGBot. Um, and a couple other social media channels, just search for RPG bot and you'll find me. And I'm Randall Pell. You won't generally find me much on social media, although in places where people play games, I am often there as Harlequin or Harlequint, but mostly you'll find me here contributing to the website with articles and here on the podcast. Awesome. All right. Uh, thank you for producer Dan. All hail the leisure Illuminati. Hail. Hailed it. Uh, you'll find affiliate links for source books and other materials linked in the show notes. Following these links helps us to make this show happen every week. So please do. You'll find our podcast wherever fine podcasts are distributed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, share it with your friends. Uh, if you think somebody would get a kick out having the, having the monsterizer, if you have a DM uh, who you know quite you know needs a little bit more flavor in the game, uh, yeah, tell them about the episode. Hopefully, they'll enjoy it. Uh, if your question should be the question of the week next week, please email podcast at rpgbot.net or message us on Twitter at rpgbotdotnet. If your monster should be the monster of the week, please message us uh, at rpgbotdotnet. Hashtag monsterizer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs>